Hi again, this is Rachel and I'm remote. Thanks for listening in. Today I want to talk about a book that I picked up recently called The Leader's Guide to Unconscious Bias by Pamela Fuller. Before I bought this book, I watched an interview with Pamela Fuller. Um, I believe she was probably talking about this book itself, but um, I was really compelled by the way that she was communicating these ideas, and I was very interested in learning more. Um, So I picked it up, and I actually ended up getting a physical copy because I definitely planned on getting out my colorful highlighters, sticky notes, and all that, and having some fun. So I'd like to just go over... Um, you know, if, if people find this interesting, I can go over several chapters of the book. Um, but first let me talk more about why I think this is an important book. Um, I've definitely, over the years, I've heard a lot of criticisms about unconscious bias training in general, because it tends to stop at identifying our unconscious bias and, and like, that's it. So, you know, people have this criticism to it because it doesn't really help folks with the next steps to correct for those biases. It's kind of just like, hey, here they are. Okay, bye. <laughs> so um, the way that uh, Pamela Fuller was talking about the ideas in this book made me think like, hmm, This seems refreshing, and I think it's going to be actually really valuable. And already going through, I haven't finished the book by any means. I'm going to record while I read it, but um, I've I've already been through a few chapters. And the way that it's formatted, um, it starts with some theory, and then they inject in some personal stories from the authors. Um. And then at the end of each chapter, they have two different activities, one for, they're they're called reflections, one for individuals, so if you are not managing people, and one for leaders, if you are. Um, Depending on, you know, which one I like best, (laughs) I, I will do one or both. I'm not currently managing people, but it could still be interesting. And so yeah, let's get started. So the first chapter of the book is all about exploring identity. Uh, I think this is a really great place to start, right? I mean, we have to understand all of the different factors that go into someone's identity. And they, uh, they well, Pamela starts by um, having us think about ourselves. So the first reflection, uh, I'll get to that in just a second, Um but there's a nice little graphic in the book of an iceberg and it essentially is like identity is like an iceberg you know you can see if if you're if you get to know someone you know at least on the surface level the kind of things that you'll see on their surface of their identity is like you might be able to tell how old they are what their race is what their gender is um the culture that they grew up in physical ability these are things that are typically on the surface of our identities um and easy to spot but below the surface of the water below what is um you know what we typically get to know from just an acquaintance you you know you get to the more you get to know someone the more you learn about their identity 
And they describe these as things like someone's education, someone's religion, the skills that they have, their family, their family status, their personality, the lived experiences, and their wealth. Um, so I really liked how this was laid out in this chapter. Um, so the big idea of this graphic of the iceberg is that there's only a very small part visible on the surface of the water. They describe this as just the 10% of your identity is actually visible and noticeable to most of the people you come in contact with every day. So that means that 90% of what makes us uniquely us is below the surface of the water and takes more time to uncover as we get to know each other. So there's a quote here um, that's taught, you know, related to the identities and that iceberg idea. So many of the limiting biases come from the 10% of visible identity, age, race, gender, culture, and physical ability. There is often a disconnect between what people perceive about us and how we define ourselves. And then it asks, have you experienced this? I think most of us have, right? Um, we know ourselves or somewhat it's hard to know yourself completely all the time but we each individual we have the best understanding of our own identity because we live with it every day we know what's underneath the surface of the water um and so it can be frustrating when people are just thinking about that top 10 percent that they can see of our iceberg they're not taking into account you know, stuff that may be going on underneath the water. So I, I like this, this question that they're asking here. And so it, the next paragraph is, each of us is a whole person with, a, with complex identities, engaging with other whole people with similarly layered identities. The danger of a single story is not just the ways we limit our own possibilities, but also how we might apply that single lens to others. This is a really interesting idea that this chapter is talking about here, that um, just as we can get frustrated that people are only taking into account the top 10% of our identities, that, that very visible, obvious part of our identities, and maybe making assumptions about us, we very easily tend to do the same thing with other people because we can only see visibly um, their identities from the outside. We can't always understand what's going on underneath the surface. So the challenge that they're making here is of exploring bias to bring the unconscious to consciousness so that we can improve the quality of our decisions and relationships. I'm reading from the book there. But I love that the argument here is that this work, this work of really understanding our, and understanding ourselves and understanding how we move through the world and, and, and understand our identities plays a huge role in how we understand other people and totally impacts our relationships. Whether or not we're talking about working relationships, it can be personal ones, um, so I think this is, so far from what I've read, this is a book that would be really powerful 
to to anyone, not just uh, folks looking for something uh, to be better leaders. So the first reflection in the book from the first chapter, I'm going to be looking at the reflection for individuals. So these are for, for anyone. You don't have to be managing people. Um, but it says to dis- to start with I am statements. So we we really want to dig into our own identity here and start to make a list of things that both are above the water, you know, like the iceberg, like ace, rate, ace, <laughs> age, race, gender, culture, physical abilities, and then below the water identifiers like education, religion or spirituality, skills, family relationships, personality, defining experiences, etc. It says not to overthink overthink these and just jot them down. So I thought I would share the ones that I came up with. Um, So some of my I am statements. I am a millennial in her 30s. I am a white cisgendered woman. I am able-bodied with average stature or body type, I guess. I'm average height. I am agnostic, but am interested in learning about all religions. Um, I am shy, but thrive in small groups where I feel safe. I am conflict averse and enjoy making people laugh. I am a trusting person. I am great at building relationships. I am married and have no children. I am someone with few friends and few close relationships. I am vegan and I love to cook. So the next part of the exercise is to think about um, which of these I am statements uh, would could fuel an unconscious bias toward other people and to put an X by those. So the ones that I use were like, the one about my age, the being a millennial in my 30s, that causes me to potentially have a bias towards people who are older or younger than me from different generations. I also put an X by the statement about my race and, um, and my gender identity. Both of these things can cause me to have bias towards people who are not white, um, people who do not uh, identify as women. I also put an X by the statement about being able-bodied because this can um, very unfortunately slip into being having an unconscious bias towards disabled people. The other one I put an X by was being agnostic. You know, not not being particularly religious, that can definitely play into some unconscious bias towards folks who are religious. I put four more X's, so almost my entire list has X's. Um, I'll talk about those more in a bit, but I think you get the idea, right? Like, there's quite a bit of these I am statements that could potentially cause us to have... uh, uh, negative biases toward other people. The next step is to put an O next to the I am statements that you feel could or have already 
made others biased towards you. Um, so I had many fewer O's than X's. Um, I did one for my age and generation. I did one for um, my gender identity. I also did one about being shy and being the one that I mentioned being conflict averse. So the rest of them didn't have O's. Um, you know, maybe I'm I'm not thinking of something, but I I didn't feel like there were that many that I could I should really be aware of. I just realized I'm taking a while to explain this chapter and exercise, and I don't want this to be super long and a boring podcast. So um, I'll just say that there are several other questions that I think are really good to to answer in this reflection. And then there's also another for um, another reflection for leaders, uh, although it's quite a bit shorter. Um, I may cover that at another time, but I will mention that, um, you know, while I was doing this reflection, uh, I, I came up with some things that I thought were really interesting because the book mentions several times about um, if, you know, as you're, as you're thinking through your I am statements, you're thinking through your identif- your identifiers or your identity, there are things that could cause you to have a um, couple different different uh, effects on yourself. One could be limiting. So your identity can have a limiting effect on you, depending on the situation, or it can have an expanding effect on you. And um, as I was thinking through my statements, I, I pulled out a few that I think could be limiting. Um, the first one is that uh, I mentioned that I am conflict averse and I enjoy making people laugh. Um, and also that I'm a very trusting person and I, and I'm great at building relationships. So I think these two together are, um, depending on the situation could be both limiting and expanding on the one hand, because I am turned off by aggressive communicators, um, especially when they're in a position of power, uh, I've, I, I get quite turned off by this. And I don't really want to interact with them. And that can be quite limiting for me. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be in contact with lots of different types of personalities. And just because someone may be a little bit more of a direct communicator doesn't mean that, you know, I can't have a great relationship with them. And I'm definitely proving myself wrong here, but it is something that I have to continually remind myself of. Um, so I feel like that can be a bias. It's limiting because I think I can sometimes think to myself like, gosh, I would never say it like that. And I can't believe they did. Um, but like the beginning of this chapter says, you know, we, we tend to give ourselves a lot of, uh, forgiveness and we think a lot about our own intentions and we don't do that with other people. So anyway, I've definitely seen myself falling into that. Um, the other one about being a very trusting person, I think this is a very expanding part of my identity because it does allow me to build really great relationships, um, especially at work because I, I think empathy is such a strength of mine where I really just, I really do want to understand people because I'm very, very motivated by helping other people. Um, 
And sometimes that's just a matter of listening to them and, and figuring out what's going on so we can talk through it. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting is um, uh, I, I think an expanding uh, effect, I believe, is that something that's happened to me several times, especially recently, is that um, people will tell me that I seem confident or at least very comfortable with myself from the outside but it is so far from how I actually feel um I think this is an expanding effect because I can I can tell that to myself to help um, remind myself that people don't think I'm nearly as (laughs) uncomfortable as I actually am um so I think that's a good thing And then going back to being a super trusting person, I think there is a limiting side effect to being super trusting. And that is to the point of being a bit um, naive. So that was just chapter one of Pamela Fuller's The Leader's Guide to Unconscious Bias. I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, I, I do realize I didn't do the best job at explaining some of the ideas in, the, in chapter one, but if you all do find it interesting, I would love to continue talking about this book as I continue to digest it. Um, and if you haven't picked it up yet, I do recommend it, um, and especially getting your own copy and not just borrowing it because of the reflections in there. Um, I, I think it's going to be a pretty important tool and powerful tool for a lot of folks to have on hand um, for some really good reminders. So thanks for listening. Um, I'm Rachel and I'm remote and we'll continue reading together and talking about all sorts of other stuff. Take care of yourselves.